When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison, and today I'm joined by someone who needs no introduction because he is a large part of the podcast. It is Ryan Pryor. It's Ryan Pryor. I'm large. I'm in charge. I'm actually not in charge. I'm on a barge. I'm not on a barge. I'm actually just You're not really at, large either. I'm not large. I'm sitting at my dining room table. I'm here. It's Thursday. Spring break is next week for our school. Nice. So it's a good week. It's a good day. I got a half day tomorrow, and like none of my kids are coming. Really? Yeah, all today they were just like, Mr. Pryor ain't coming tomorrow. And I was like, do you think I care? Are like, they allowed seriously, to do that? They're not allowed to do it, but what, what are we going to do? Like, call their, like, do if they their parents? parents? Yeah, if their parents are okay with it, there's literally nothing we can do. Like, really? we can call home. Oh, yeah. I mean, if their parents don't care, and I mean, I'm not, like I said, like, not, I'm not saying every kid, like, We'll still probably have like 60, 70%, but like the seniors, yeah, their parents are but like, yes, get screw it. Tardy and whatnot, won't they? Or whatever you what get. Do you, my, what do you, what do you think? Get like what do you think happens? Absent. So what? I mean, seriously, well, what get, is that? If you get however many like absences or whatever, then you have to repeat the grade, don't you? No. Well, um, today we're going to talk about the Peace Corps. <laughs> Before we get to that, what are you going to do for spring break? What am I going to do for spring plans? break? Caroline and I are going to go down to the beach uh, with some friends of ours who have some condos down there. And we're going to go to Ormond by the Sea, which is down under, down below Jacksonville. Caroline has just come home. She's right here. Hello, Caroline. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. I am. Anyway. Uh, and uh, so we're going to go down there for about three or four days and soak up the sun and oh, the vibes. Yes. It's actually the weather's not going to be great, but um, it doesn't matter. Yeah, doesn't but matter. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, know, I, don't I, know. I like, but I'm a lizard. Like I have to bake in the sun. I can literally like when it's the dead of summer, and in the south that is intense. But when it's that, I like to just when I get home, turn the car off and just like bake in the oh sun. Oh my god! Like no. I, Jeffrey says I'm solar powered. Like I just recharge. I with think heat and that is. All that. An insane thing that you just said to me that you're gonna sit in your car after oh, this. A- like in you talking about like in like ninety yeah, degree weather, like ninety five like degree weather. Sit, not, not for like a long time, but yeah, for like the ten minutes after, I'll turn the air off and everything. As long as kids aren't in the car, obviously. If I'm like by myself, then I'll how just you, sit there for a minute. How do you feel about saunas? About what? Saunas. Oh, I thought this. You were like telling me about some like weird class or something you can do no saunas um, i saunas. love a good sauna i love yeah I, I love to bake in my own sweat and the sun literally if we're at the beach i go out early morning and i will stay out until the sun is gone you're gonna get you're gonna get melan- melanomas unfortunately your girls already had two cut off so oh my god okay maybe <laughs> not, we should they were precancerous re- they weren't well Okay, but maybe we should rethink our relationship with the well, sun I mean, after I use two sunscreen. melanomas. I use sunscreen, but no, yeah. Uh, She's had I have to two go. melanomas. No, 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 no. They were precancerous. They weren't actually full on. But yeah, they I have were, to go. They were precancerous, but they weren't. What? Do you go to tanning beds? 
I did in high school, but I don't. She did in high school. I remember that version of yeah. Mm -hmm. You your pictures of yeah. You were very uh, orange. Teddy beds don't make you orange. It's actual. Uh, spray tans make you orange. I looked very good in tan. I wish tanning beds were not a bad thing. That's Caroline cool. just, ironically, Caroline has just received four different sunscreens. Side note, Caroline, did you know that it was Allison who sent us the batteries on Amazon? That pack of batteries that we got? No. That was Allison. <laughs> Y'all were looking for it for 30 minutes before the last episode. Did you send us a door hanger by any chance? No. From Crate and Barrel? Did you, did you order one and not get it? No. Mm -mm. Okay, well, we also got a, a door hanger uh, to your audience. Um, by the way, since they don't yeah, know I just this story. Yeah, we were recording. I'm yeah, last time, last time we tried to record, by the way, audience members, uh, I didn't have any extra AA batteries for my micro microphone. Mm -hmm. And so the recording was all... I think all, I bitched about it at the beginning. You did. You were yeah. a little bit upset. Yeah. And then Allison was like, how do you not have uh, 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 AA batteries? And I was like, well, first of all, what am I going to use them on? Like, all of our remotes use AAAs because they're fire sticks. Mm -hmm. And she was like, whatever. And then, like, a week later, uh, I saw that there was bat batteries from Amazon. And I just assumed that Caroline had gotten them because she had mm -hmm. heard or she was like, oh, yeah, we probably need them. And then, literally, we just got on tonight and Alice was like, did you, did you use the batteries I sent you? And I was like, those are from you? I, th I like, wrote a, a cute note to go along with it and everything. I'm so, that makes me sad. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I'm just glad you received them and that we're able to record. Because if we had not, I had not sent you those, it would still be an issue. Do you need a behind-the-door hanger? No. What do, what do you mean? Like, what kind of hanger is it? It's like a door hanger. Like, you put it on the top of the door. Like a do not disturb? Oh, like no. a wreath hanger? Yeah. Kind of That's random. That's not even, no. like, why would you have gotten that? Are you sure that it was your name on it? I, I don't know. I just your neighbor never get, got to hang their... Valentine's wreath because you didn't return their whatever. Depends on the neighbor whether I'm upset about it or not. One of the neighbors I'm not. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. In my opinion, therapy is helpful and necessary for everyone. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And as a special offer to Kennedy Dynasty listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash Kennedy Dynasty. You can find a direct link in the notes of this episode. That's betterhelp.com slash Kennedy Dynasty, K-E-N-N-E-D-Y-D-Y-N-A-S-T-Y with no spaces. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Caroline thought about joining the Peace Corps. Speaking of what that we were talking about right before she got here. I could totally see her being in the Peace Corps. She could be in the Peace Corps. I could totally I, see that. I think she would have a problem with some of the um, sacrifices. But um, today we're talking about the Peace Corps. That uh, was like a burn. <laughs> an accident waiting to happen is mm. what I called this episode. Because an accident waiting to happen. Okay. 
Yeah. Because there's a really fun story about this um, that I think that we're going to actually end this first episode on, and and it'll be the the sort of we'll end it on this one, and then to, for the second episode, mm-hmm. um, we'll continue on. But um, in order to understand the Peace Corps, first of all, I just want to know I read it read through a book called When the World Calls: The Inside Story of the Peace Corps and Its First Fifty Years by a guy named Stanley Meisler. So pretty interesting book. You can find it on Amazon. Much like AA batteries, yes, you can you can find AA batteries and this book, uh, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much it. Jeff Bezos has kind of yeah. given up on the whole thing. He's like, I'm rich enough, <laughs> I don't need to, to sell. I'm going to space. I'm going <laughs> to do all that stuff. Um, who needs anything but AA batteries and Stanley Meisler's Meisler's groundbreaking work? Nothing else. So Nothing else is we're going to start off with a. You know what we're going to start off with, don't you? Mm. What do you the think prelude. it is? The prelude. Prelude. Um, in the 1950s, a guy named by the, by the name of Walter Ruther, who was the president of the United Auto Workers uh, Union, put forward a an bold article that was entitled "A Proposal for a Total Peace Offensive." Um, you may not know it, but you know UAW and auto workers, as well as most unions, had uh, had fairly uh, we want to call them like leaning socialist, very liberal tendencies, um, and were very interested in the spreading of uh, goodwill and things of that nature. But basically, what he wanted was uh, the creation of an agency, or you could even call it like an army of young people to fight for humanitarian efforts throughout the world. And this was not necessarily just his idea. After World War II, there were various congressional proposals for just such an organization. Um, there's a guy that you might know. His name was Representative, at the time, Representative John, uh, John Kennedy, uh, a Democrat from Massachusetts. Never heard of um, him. Never heard of him? Mm-mm. He suggested uh, that young college students would be the perfect demographic for such a force. Uh, and one of the things you got to understand is that after World War II, the United States and the rest of the Western world, especially that had been destroyed by that which had been destroyed by World War II, were, were experiencing incredible amounts of, of rebuilding and reinvestment, specifically under this thing called the Marshall Plan. So you might have heard of the Marshall Plan, but basically, it was the United States's post-war lending program. Uh, in fact, I think I'm not, I'm not sure if this is true or not, so don't hold me to this. But I'm pretty sure you could still apply for money under the Marshall Plan. Um, mm. And, and this, this plan was basically to help rebuild Europe after, you know, after the devastation of the war. But also, as a side note, it was there to, how do I put this, um, basically instill goodwill amongst the people of Europe to the United States as opposed to those commies over in the Soviet Union. You see, remember, as we have talked about many times in this podcast, the, the, the era after World War II known as the Cold War the 40 years between 1950 and 1991 was all about this global economic battle between the United States and the Soviet Union. Basically, both were trying to prove that their way of life was superior. It was basically a grand culture war on the scale of millions and billions of people. And so basically, uh, this Marshall Plan, and as well as all, all foreign policy in the United States in the years following World War II, was uh, essentially designed to help combat communism, no matter what it was. And we're going to come back around to that, but you've got to understand that's the mindset of most Americans and also American politicians at this time. Mm-hmm. In 1952, one Senator Brian McMahon actually proposed an army of young people to act as missionaries of democracy around the world, especially in what we would call now emerging markets. 
And this, of course, was also compounded by religious organizations, which were, instead of you know, proselytizing just in the United States or around the country, they were now sending religious missionaries around the world, which, you know, this is not necessarily something we're going to spend a lot of time on, but, you know, it's one of the, the great, I think, double-edged swords of, of religion, of specifically organized religion, and, and in this case, the, what we would call Americanization of Christianity, which was sort of this, you know, you, the combination of the Cold War and Christianity created a Christianity that I think was not what was intended by the early church or by Jesus Christ. That is my opinion. <laughs> that is my opinion. Certainly not to offend anybody. I'm just saying that that's certainly, this is a part of it. Um, there was a great spirit of proselytization, um, not only, but like not just religiously, but certainly politically. And I'm not saying that they were intertwined when it comes to the Peace Corps, but it's almost impossible to discuss this development without talking about the fact that there was a great um, desire amongst American Christians because the Cold War was in a lot of ways seen as a religious conflict as well. Communism uh, or communism under the Soviet Union was anti-religious. They were they were against the they were against state or any kind of religion because they felt it. it uh, communists in the Soviet Union felt that religion promoted class division. Um, and and other things. So a lot of people in the United States, especially who were more culturally taken by the Cold War, saw it as a religious battle. Um, and, and so it's you've got to understand that feeling in order to understand why there was such a desire to be, to send young people out around the world, especially to developing nations. The first bill to create the Peace Corps uh, was presented in 1957 by Senator Hubert Humphrey, who you might have heard of before. It was not passed. Um, sadly died. Sadly died. Um, it just died in committee. That is the end of what we would call the prelude. Prelude. Now we can go into the interlude. Interlude. Literally, you will always make it a thing. I love it. Ooh. Every episode. Do you um do you want do you have any questions about that? Do you have any thoughts? Do you have any things you want to want to say, Allison? Because I I, I will say. I'm shocked that I have not covered this yet, or that we together have not covered this yet. Peace Corps is such a huge part of JFK's legacy, and it I is. and yet on, this is episode eighty-one, and it has not been talked about. I'm on I think the reason it hasn't been talked about is because nobody really talks about it right now. I, I really think you go to the average person and be like, "What's the Peace Corps?" and they'd be like, "I have never heard of that," or "Or I don't." That's still a thing? Question mark. Uh, even its budget, when we get down to it, like when we talk about budgeting, because we're going to talk about how much money it's allocated every single year, is tiny, tiny, like 0.005% yeah. of the federal budget. <laughs> Do you know what I think of when I think Peace Corps? This is terrible, but it, this is my reference, is the... Uh, Do you remember in Shallow Hal when his her ex-boyfriend works for the Peace Corps? I do not. Okay. I'm sure no one listening remembers that either. I don't. Sorry, Caroline was uh, nothing. Caroline, I was. She was asking me if she can make lemonade. Oh, I want lemonade. You, baby, you can use my lemonade. It's your lemonade too. I I keep packets of Crystal Light and Arnold Palmer mix. Arnold Palmer's are my favorite drink, and so love them. Have you ever done Sprite with lemonade? It's really good. I do like a Sprite with lemonade. It's uh, Sprite actually makes that now. It's called Limonada. Like you I didn't know that. It. You can buy it in a container. Yeah, you can. Jeffrey just, like, and I buy used it. to ask for that, but no, I love Arnold Palmer too. It's Arnold Palmer. So anyway, so Caroline was just like she was she was asking if she could eat, drink some of my pet powdered beverages, and I I said, "What's mine is yours, babe." Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> and what's yours is yours. You know, that's a marriage right there. Anyway, sorry, I'm trying not to chew ice. 
Um, So after the... (laughs) So following the Democratic National Convention in 1960, which we've talked about in a couple of other episodes, um, so I won't go into detail about it. In August of 1960, specifically, Ruther, the guy we talked about earlier, came to Hyannisport to meet with Kennedy and plan a future strategy for his campaign and basically try to help, try to advocate for this idea that he had and, and wanted to push forward. It was during this meeting that Ruther convinced Kennedy to basically include the Peace Corps as one of his campaign topics. But the promise was never intended or included in any major campaign list or like memoranda or, or like lit- literature. Mm-hmm. And uh, this actually leads to one of the more interesting stories of John F. Kennedy's career as a politician and also his run for president, which we ha- I had never heard of and I don't know if you have either. Because on October 14th, 1960, JFK arrives at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And Kennedy was very, very tired. Very, it, was, it was late. It was after midnight. And most of the press had gone to sleep for the night. And so he had no intention at that time of actually you know, doing anything for the campaign. He was really just there to rest. And they were going to think, go move on to another city the next day. But having heard about the arrival of, of course, the, at then one of the most popular political candidates in history, 10,000 students gathered outside the student union and began chanting that they wanted to hear from John F. Kennedy. Um, and that they wanted him to, to, to speak, basically saying, we won't leave until we hear from Kennedy. And so at 2 a.m., John F. Kennedy comes out onto the steps of the Student Union or the, or the Michigan Union or whatever it's called, the university you know, clubhouse. I don't know what you would call it. It's the union. It was the Student Union. Um, and in a totally unscripted speech, completely unscripted, just off the cuff, and I, and I read it earlier, it's pretty short, Kennedy called upon the mass of students and asked, quote, how many of you would be willing to serve your country for the cause of peace by living and working in the developing world? And so he literally puts the Peace Corps into his agenda during an impromptu, unscripted, unwritten speech at two in the morning. I've never heard that in my life. I know, right? And so I figured you you would want to put the speech in like right here. I want to express my thanks to you as a graduate of the Michigan of the East. Harvard University. I uh, come here tonight, but I am excited uh, to uh, have to say uh, one or two words on this campaign, which is now coming into the last three weeks. I think, in many ways, it's the most important campaign since mostly because of the problems which press upon the United States and the opportunities which will be presented to us in the 1960s, I believe, must be seized. And the judgment of the president, the vigor of the executive, the cooperation, I think, can make the greatest possible difference. He challenged the assembled students to work for the United States, and then he mentioned the fact that it was getting quite late and all should go to bed. How many of you who are going to be doctors are willing to spend your days in Ghana, technicians or engineers? How many of you are willing to work in the foreign service and spend your lives traveling around the world? On your willingness to do that, not merely to serve one year or two years in the service, but on your willingness to contribute part of your life to this country, I think will depend the answer whether a free society can compete. I think it can, and I think Americans are willing to contribute. But the effort must be far greater than we've ever made in the past. And therefore, I'm delighted to come to Michigan, this university, 
because unless we have those resources in this school, unless you comprehend the nature of what is being asked of you, this country can't possibly move through the next 10 years in a period of relative strength. So I come here tonight to go to bed, but I also come here tonight to ask you Anyway, his call uh, for for the creation of this uh, organization was met with cheers and applause, and a petition was quickly signed by over a thousand students who were willing to serve. But of course, there was far more work to be done, and that is sort of the initial story of how the Peace Corps came to be. Specifically, I, I think the coolest part about this is that sometimes things just come about. Well. You know, given the last four years of political discourse in this country, I think we've all become kind of used to to a president that just says things off the top of their head whenever. Mm-hmm. But at the time, this was the not this is a huge deal for Kennedy to announce something so big and something so grand in a speech at two a.m. His advisors must have been just probably beside themselves, like, "Oh my God, what did you do? Like, yeah. what have you done? You've now committed us to this thing." Um, but Kennedy really believed in it, and so did these. I mean, again, you had lots of college kids looking to to change the world, and we'll talk about how that what that looks like in the next episode and how that plays out. But that's how it came to be. Before we end this episode, Ryan, I want you to tell the people when you were in college, did you volunteer for anything? Did you do any um, clubs, anything like that? I was in a fraternity, yes, and we did charitable work. Um, the best, the most charitable work I ever did was to ride a a um, stationary bike for like seven hours on the porch of our fraternity house to raise money for child cancer. I, listen, here's what I tell people nowadays. People are like, do you do charity work? And I'm like, I'm a teacher in a public school. (laughs) And then they go, yep. You do. You're doing the Lord's work. Good, good, good. (laughs) All right. Well, (laughs) that was fun. The reason I'm splitting it in two is because I am going on a trip next week, so we've got to split it up. So I have content for both weeks, so that's why we're not going to make one long one. It's going to be two of my normal length ones. That was just a little explanation for everybody. So with that being said, I will talk to you guys next week. Come on and vote for Kennedy. Vote for Kennedy. Keep America strong. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Hello everyone, 
My name is Tom Kearns, and I host the Anglo-Saxon England podcast, where I cover the history and culture of England from the departure of the Romans in the 5th century to the Norman Conquest in 1066. So far, we've surveyed the collapse of Roman rule in Britain, the migration of the Anglo-Saxons, and the history of Northumbria from its beginnings in the mists of legend to its destruction at the hands of Viking raiders in the 9th century. I hope you'll come and give it a go.